Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alberta Roundup. I'm your host, Rachel Emanuel. I hope that you guys are having a great week so far. This week, I'm bringing you a special edition of the Alberta Roundup called Election Watch. For the next four weeks of the show, I will be joined by panelists and we'll discuss the top campaign moments of the week as the 2023 Alberta Provincial Election Campaign between the UCP and the NDP rages on. This week, I'm joined by Chris Sims. She's the Alberta Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and Evan Menzies, he's a senior campaign strategist at Crestview Strategy, and he's the former director of communications for the United Conservative Party. I'm joined by them both now. Well, Evan and Chris, thank you so much for joining me today on the Alberta Roundup. One of the things I wanted to start by discussing is just some of the emerging trends coming out of this provincial election campaign. I suspect that coming out of two years of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're seeing runaway inflation. Of course, many voters are upset about that. People are definitely penny pinching. So affordability, of course, healthcare and public safety, I'm figuring are some of the bread and butter issues that we're gonna be focusing on the campaign. Chris, what are you hearing from voters? What do you expect this campaign is really going to be about? We're hearing the same thing that you guys are there, Rachel. Uh, I used to get a phone call once every six weeks or so from a working person saying something like, you know what, I'm busting my butt, but I still can't make ends meet. We're now getting a phone call like that kind of every 10 days. So it's a lot more intense. Even here in Alberta, we are still seeing record demand for food banks and often among working people. So that's a big high indicator that they need to take inflation seriously. I will say uh, that here in Alberta, we're still doing better than most. We don't even have a provincial gas tax here, and it seems to be a serious dedication to fighting higher taxes. So we're happy to see that. And Evan, outside of some of those main issues that we just discussed, like healthcare, do you think those types of topics are going to be landing with voters? Or do you think that they're a little bit tired of politics? Of course, we just came out of a UCP leadership race not too long ago. And do you think that it's going to be harder for the parties to actually land and to resonate with voters in this campaign? Yeah, I think uh, one of the advantages that the UCP had in, in this first week was Danielle Smith coming out with that immediate uh, huge income tax cut announcement, sort of framing the uh, the terms of the debate in week one uh, favorably to the UCP. And I'm not sure a lot of voters are, are hyper tuned in quite yet, but certainly when uh, for the issues that have come up in week one so far, uh, the UCP, I think, have an edge to date. Uh, folks uh, will have been telling pollsters this for a long time, that affordability is a major issue. Chris just touched on the fact that it's something people will talk about all the time. Uh, even with the provincial gas tax cut, there's still the federal carbon tax that's driving up the prices at the pumps. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Inflation still out of control. So I think for the UCP, uh, if they can continue to just be seen to have their brand tied with the fact that they are the party that's helping drive prices down, or at least keep things less crazy than they have been, that's to their net advantage. Uh, the NDP, if uh, they obviously want to talk about healthcare, I don't really think they've got their message out so far this week. And uh, if things stay this way, I think it's, uh, you know, come election day, uh, the UCP will bear positive fruits. Sure. Speaking of that tax cut for my viewers who aren't aware, who haven't heard about it yet, on Monday, Danielle Smith came out with sort of a pinnacle campaign announcement. She said a UCP government, if re-elected, would create a new 8% tax bracket on income under 60000 So that's saving of about $760 for an individual or closer to $1,500 per family. And then for those Albertans that are earning less than $60,000 annually, they'll see a 20% reduction to their provincial tax bill. Chris, maybe you could weigh on in this. What would the impact of a tax cut like this be on the Alberta economy, especially when people are 
are really reining in their savings. Oh, it's it's huge. And this is something that we push for all the time. Every now and then you'll see a politician, because it's easier for retail politics, to give you little specified targeted tax credits here and there. That's like giving out beef jerky when we want the whole steak. And their announcement on Monday to give us the whole steak of, boom, you're going to have a new lower income uh, tax bracket, and it's going to save people money across the board. Those are exactly the savings that taxpayers need. And so what that does is that number one, helps them pay their bills. Number two, it attracts more people to Alberta, because if you're a family in some place like British Columbia or Ontario, and you take a look and you realize how much money you're going to be saving when you combine that with a lack of a PST, you're going to have even more moving trucks being booked here. So that is a significant tax cut. In fact, I may say, and this is um, kind of a gentle criticism because they were both two good announcements, they should have broken up their huge income tax cut by creating an 8% one for lower income folks and the fact that they're going to extend their fuel tax reduction. So they made those announcements on the same day and that both of those are significant. The fact we don't have a fuel tax, that saves you $15 every time you're filling up a light duty pickup truck. That is serious money. That is a chicken and a jug of milk every time you go into the grocery store. So they should push that more. You know, fair enough, Chris, but when we're talking about tax cuts, it's not exactly the sexiest issue. And, you know, unless you're a very strong-minded libertarian, no surprise to voters, the NDP are coming out promising so-called free things. One of the things Alberta NDP leader Rachel Nolly has promised is free birth control. I'm wondering how that is going to resonate with the female demographic in Calgary, where we know much of the election is going to be decided. Evan, what's your take? Yeah, I'm. Uh, when, when they first made the announcement, uh, it's one of those types of policy announcements, no matter where you sort of fall on the political spectrum. I think for more uh, what we usually call like low information voters, just mean that they're not uh, consuming politics 30 minutes, 60 minutes a day. It's one of those announcements that uh, is one of those like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense announcements. So I think for a lot of um, uh, voters in Calgary, that would probably be their response. I'm not sure it's a huge uh, like swing vote issue that will, um, you know, pull UCP voters away into the NDP tent or or shift independent independent voters on election day. Um, I'm I, I personally think over time this type of concept of uh, having free free birth control or at least having a, an access a way to access a plan for birth control will probably become more and more popular over time. It's up to conservatives to determine. Uh, the most conservative way to frame a policy around that. I just think that, um, again, just the reaction from the population will be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I can see why that would be needed uh, on, on those terms. But at the end of the day, I think for the NDP, it's mainly just a, a base motivator. This is what they're going to use to try and uh, get their people to show up on election day. Whether it actually pulls anyone out of the UCP tent, I'm I'm skeptical right now. I wanted to do a quick polling update. All the polls that we've seen come out in recent weeks seem to show the UCP and the Alberta NDP neck and neck. One poll might have the UCP up by a couple points and then the next poll will show the NDP up by a couple points. Evan, are you seeing any emerging trends coming out of the polling that we've seen so far? Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. 
That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, one of the things I'm watching, and you know, all these polls always have their own like little variations within them. And obviously that old adage, wait until election day. But one of the things I've noticed both from publicly released polls and some that I've heard from that are more internal uh, is that there is positive momentum for the UCP in Calgary right now. Uh, it's, you know, again, it's early days. Uh, I have old uh, battle scars when I worked for Danielle Smith uh, during the 2012 Wild Rose election, and we were polling great for the first couple of weeks, and then it obviously fell apart in the last week. So I don't think the UCP should be uh, pumping their tires too much quite yet, but I think there's some positive momentum heading towards the UCP. Their campaign plan seems pretty straightforward. Uh, they want to be boring. They want to stick to their bread and uh, butter issues like affordability, tax cuts, like we had already mentioned. They're able to stay on those messages, not sort of lose the plot over the next few weeks. I think their brand, their message will will carry the day. Um, the NDP have hit a ceiling in Calgary, in my view. I don't think there's any new NDP voters out there. There might be some undecideds who could shift their way at election day. But the UCP's challenge in this city is getting uh, what I call UCP shy voters to show up at advanced polls and on election day. There's still a a large section of UCP voters in the city who are just not quite sure what to make of Danielle Smith quite yet. Uh, She's been premier since October, but uh, obviously have some long memories, still trying to uh, sift through those old Wild Rose PC debates back in the day. So uh, I think Danielle, uh, as premier, has done a good job uh, showing those voters that they're welcome in the tent. And she obviously has to, her job as leader is to make sure that uh, they show up uh, uh, for, for those advanced poll and uh, uh, advanced poll dates and on election day. Sure. And arguably, you know, with the NDP attacking Danielle Smith and saying she can't be trusted or that she's crazy, that's some of the sentiments that we've seen in the rhetoric they're trying to build around Smith. The UCP's focus on running what you're saying is a boring campaign would be a very good one just to show voters that they are trustworthy and they are consistent. Now, when we look at the polling numbers, Chris, we know that the Alberta NDP spent $6 million on attack ads in the pre-RIT campaign period. I'm not sure that that is actually having an impact in Calgary. Do you know if that has been successful? Has that actually been able to swing voters over in the Calgary or does it seem largely like that was a swing and a mess? That's a great question. I will say, anecdotally speaking and taking off my CTF hat for a moment, uh, even when I'm watching the playoff hockey, like I'm watching the Edmonton Oilers, uh, I see attack ad after attack ad and I don't see answering ads usually they match. And I don't know why there aren't answering UCP ads abutted next to those NDP ones. Also, even on local radio. So I'm here in Lethbridge and I'm listening to the country station or the rock station. It is wall to wall. Every time they go to a break, I'm not surprised they spent that amount of money because it sure sounds like it. Uh, It's always a Rachel Notley attack ad on Danielle Smith. So if that sways people uh, who are on the fence, That's a pretty good question. Uh, I will say that the UCP has brought in some heavy hitters and seasoned campaign managers. So Steve Outhouse uh, is a very experienced campaign manager out of Ottawa. Uh, I worked with him there when I was uh, a staff member and largely as a a journalist on Parliament Hill with the gallery. And what I find interesting about that is that there's always a pool of staffers that will hang out or talk to each other, even from other parties. And I don't know anyone who's ever said anything bad about the guy after 20 something years, which is remarkable uh, from from that perspective of a place like Ottawa. And so I think he's probably got a pretty solid game plan. 
The question is, what don't they don't know? Anything can happen in three weeks, and there's always uh, some sort of risk of an October surprise. So we're really early, like Evan said. We'll have to see. Speaking of surprises, there was a bit of a hiccup in the UCP campaign this week on Tuesday. I'm sure you guys caught this. I'm just going to give a brief recap for my viewers. Basically, on Tuesday, UCP candidates Brian Jean and Rebecca Schultz had a big announcement. They had two independent reports that said that Rachel Notley's plan to reach a net zero electricity grid by 2035 would cost the province and taxpayers $87 billion. They had added together two separate reports on this issue. The one was the ASO report. That's the Alberta Electric System Operator. They estimated the cost of the actual power generation grid at $52 billion. And then they had a Navius research report finding that the opportunity cost to the economy would be $35 billion between now and 2035. That's for a total of $87 billion. However, Navius Research came out and basically said their numbers were being mischaracterized. They said reports in the media pegged their report at almost double what the actual cost would be. Eventually, it seemed that the UCP and Navius came to an agreement. The UCP released a tweet. Their war room, to be specific, released that tweet in acceptance with Navius. They had worked on this statement together, kind of coming on an agreement of the specific wording that should be used. That being said, the sentiment is sort of that when you're explaining you're losing, Evan, do you think this was a missed opportunity for the party? Now it seems like they've had to explain so much what these numbers are. Do you think that that really distracted from the issue at hand here? Yeah, I, it, it's possible, but I, I kind of see it from another point of view. I wasn't sure, I, uh, as I was following the, the press coverage from, from that press announcement, until Navius put out that tweet, I wasn't sure it was getting the coverage that it deserved. And it turned out that the next day, this is all everyone is talking about. And it's an important topic to talk about. Uh, listen, when the NDP were in charge, they uh, they they took coal off the grid, moved us to 70-30 natural gas and renewables. Those renewables are intermittent and not reliable. Our power grid is going to face significant issues in the years ahead. And this idea of uh, Alberta getting to net zero in just 12 years with our current power mix is, is something that needs to be discussed this election campaign. So I think the fact that you know, maybe there was a bit of a communications blip. Sure. But it sounds to me at the end of the day that maybe it's at least concedes it's going to cost us in the tens of billions of dollars uh, as ratepayers, taxpayers could be on the hook for even more. And beyond that discussion, just what it's going to cost uh, us as taxpayers and as ratepayers, uh, what, what, what's our power grid actually going to look like? How reliable will our power be when it's hot in the summer and cold in the winter? That's not at all clear to me with Rachel Notley's plan for net zero. And I think um, I'm glad it's been brought up. I'm glad that um, reporters caught interest in this story once they saw a communications blip, because quite frankly, Rachel Notley and the NDP are hoping no one really talks about this election. So maybe this is maybe it's one of those things where it's an opportunity for the UCP to keep pressing the issue. Uh, certainly for the NDP, they wanted to talk about the UCP's record on health care over the last few days. They haven't. So it's that's kind of <laughs> campaigns are interesting and they're unpredictable. So uh, that's kind of my read on it over the last 24 hours. Yeah, but I think that's a fair perspective. Maybe this blip has actually caused the situation to get more media attention than it otherwise would have. I talked to the UCP about it this week and they said, even if you look at just the $52 billion number, that's still the most expensive political campaign promise in Alberta political history. And they've also said what you just said now that Rachel Notley doesn't want to talk about what this is going to cost. Chris, you can weigh in here. You're our numbers expert. Has Notley spoken about the cost of this and what do you think it would actually mean for Alberta taxpayers if this pledge of net neutrality by 2035 goes forward? 
That's a great question. I was listening to her interview on Calgary radio station yesterday, and she very deftly moved around those questions of numbers, even though the host was pressing, saying, hey, like, how are you going to pay for this? You're promising to balance the budget. Now, there's always asterisks around that. And you're, pr- you're, you're promising to not raise personal income taxes. So where are you going to get this money from? And she was ducking and weaving the way most seasoned politicians do. I think to Evan's point, that's very clever. That's a good point and a good way of looking at it. It kept it in the media where it otherwise wouldn't have been, even though it was kind of a comms-ish mistake in communications. And so what I was surprised by is seeing the contradiction come forward from the research group itself. That's a conversation that should have happened last week just saying, hey, just so we're clear, these are the numbers we're going out with. This is the kind of wording we're going out with. Everybody cool? Yes, everybody cool. Uh, We work with numbers here at the Taxpayers Federation all the time, and you don't want to get undermined as you're trotting out your message. However, again, to Evan's point, it did keep it in the media. And I think if it's 50 billion, 30 billion, or 80 billion, that is a heck of a lot of money. And I think the average Albertan is going to be wondering, How am I going to pay for this? To give people an idea of a billion, a billion builds you a pretty good looking hospital. So instead of imagining $30 billion, picture 30 new hospitals or 50 new hospitals. So that's a better rule of thumb when people are trying to wrap their head around these big numbers. A billion dollars is pretty close to a hospital bill. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it for today. Chris and Emin, thank you so much for joining our show. I know our viewers will appreciate your input. Viewers, thank you so much for tuning in today to this special edition of the Alberta Roundup. As always, if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.